The Lupus Living Podcast, Episode Number Two, The Diagnosis Part One. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or even good night. Depending on what time you're listening to this episode, it could be either one of those. Welcome to today's episode of the Lupus Living Podcast. This is Gwen Alexander, your host, and I hope everyone is doing well today. In the last episode, I did a little introduction of what the podcast would be about. It's to help me through the challenges that I face while since I've been diagnosed with lupus, and I hope by sharing my experiences, whether they're good or bad, it could help to encourage you while you learn to live with lupus. In today's episode, I want to share with you how I actually came about my diagnosis. And to be honest, I had kind of heard about lupus. I remember when Selena Gomez was, um, was it came out that she had lupus, but I never really thought much of it past. I've kind of heard of it. And I'd never really been very sick. Even as a child, I rarely missed school. I, I even had a, got an award for perfect attendance for seven years. So it, this was something that I wasn't really used to. And if I was sick, it was never bad enough to miss school. In college, uh, which was a very long time ago, I rarely missed class due to illness. It was usually if I did skip a class because I was really tired and wanted to get some rest. And when I began working a full-time job several years ago, you could count on one hand the number of times I actually called in sick to work. That was almost never. If I did call in sick, it would only be for a day. And I don't know when the fatigue that I have started to set in. I had always pushed myself to get things done. And in school as a kid, I would stay up late studying. But it wasn't the kind of tired where I couldn't function later. And in college, I took the maximum number of hours that I was allowed to each semester without getting permission. And when I started my full-time job, I would try to work as much as allowed. I mean, usually Monday through Friday, I'd work eight to nine hours and then come home and clean, you know, prepare supper. And then for 10 years, while I worked a full-time job, I also taught piano. And sometimes I would work weekends. And then the weekends were spent running errands, practicing the piano, and then preparing for other things because I also helped at my local church. I was a Sunday school teacher. Uh, we had a bus route where we would pick up people, so I helped on that. And any free time I had was spent preparing for something. Sometimes on the weekend, I would sleep in until 9 o'clock a.m. if I didn't have to work. I don't know when this started, but during my breaks at work, I would need to go to my car and sleep for at least 15 minutes and then go back into work to get recharged again. I didn't do it all the time, but my coworkers started to tease me about this. They couldn't understand how I could go and sleep for 15 minutes and then wake up and come back to work. It's what I had to do to make it through the day. Even if I slept eight hours, I needed a nap during the day. Then in 2005, I had something happen that I'd never had before. My head started to throb. I mean, literally, you could feel it throbbing. And it really freaked me out. 
and it started to happen a few more days in a row. I thought I was just having really bad sinus headaches, but I'd never had a sinus headache like this before. Eventually, they calmed down, but I continued to get them. And then one day at work, I had one. I had to go sit in a room, a dark room with no lights on, and I sat for about 20 minutes. When I came out of the room, my head was still throbbing, but at least the nausea I was feeling had calmed down. It was then that I realized I'm having migraine headaches, and I had no explanation for this. I never really went to the doctor about it. I would just take the over-the-counter migraine medicine and it would at least take the pain away. And I finally figured out you need to take the medicine right when I would see the aura because those are the type of migraines I would get. I would see the aura and then the pain would be on the opposite side of where I saw the aura in my eye. And then I started a new position at my job and I thought this might help my migraine headaches to not happen as frequently. If anything, they happened more often. They got to the point I was tracking them and then trying to find out if there was something that I was actually doing to make this happen. I learned to recognize the signs that one was about to start. That's when I would get the aura. After the aura went away, the pain would start on the opposite side of the head. So if the aura was in my left eye, the pain would be on the right side of my head. And now I know that those of us with lupus may have very frequent migraine headaches. I've met some people that said they have to take medicine to try and keep them to where they don't get very many or hardly any. I also remember one day I woke up and my right hand was swollen and it was it would throb and it was painful and it wouldn't stop. It wouldn't stop throbbing and the pain wouldn't stop. I went to the doctor and the doctor said, well, you might have gout. And so they did whatever test they do to check your, I think it's your purines. And then they called me and said, well, you don't have gout, but nobody really knew what it was. And after four days, my hand went back to normal. And then I never really thought much of it until it happened again when I was diagnosed with lupus. And in 2016, I noticed I seemed to be a little more tired than normal. During the week, I would go, go, go. But by Friday, I was just tired. It was beyond tired. When I got home from work on Fridays, I told myself, I'm just going to lay down for a moment. And when I woke up, it was usually midnight. And I would stay up maybe an hour or two and then go back to bed. Then when I woke up for the day, it was usually at 10 o'clock. So this was Friday into Saturday, 10 o'clock a.m. And in some cases, I was still really tired, but I needed to get things done. I just kept telling myself I wasn't getting enough sleep during the week. It kept getting worse. It was getting so bad, I was going to make an appointment to talk to my doctor about this. Then in 2017, it just all seemed to happen. It started with my muscles just kind of aching. It got so bad that I couldn't walk upstairs like I used to. I would practically run upstairs. Now I try to avoid them. Sometimes I felt like I was sick, but I wasn't. It felt like I was running a low-grade fever, but I did not have a fever according to the thermometer. When I did get sick, it seemed I couldn't get my fever to go away. In August of 2017, I woke up one morning and got out of bed and almost dropped to the floor. The reason was my left ankle hurt so bad that I thought it was broken. I went to the emergency room that morning. I could barely walk from my car to the door. It 
it hurt so bad, and I could barely put my shoes on that morning. Of course, they did x-rays, and they found nothing. I asked the ER doctor what could be causing this. I can't remember for sure, but I was told to take some of the over-counter medicine for the pain. When I was walking from the ER emergency room to my car, I knew something was wrong. The pain was worse than when I went into the emergency room. I probably should have called my primary care physician, but I thought, what was he going to do if the emergency room couldn't help me? So I went to work and tried not to walk if I didn't have to. It took about four days for the swelling and the pain to go away. I thought, oh, good, that's over with. But that was just the beginning. The first Saturday of September in 2017, I think it was the first or the second, I just remember it was a great day. It was sunny. I felt good. And I felt so good. I thought, I'm going to go out and take a walk, which was not unusual. I could walk three miles or sometimes four. And that was my exercise for the day. And then I got home. And then I just, a few hours later, started getting really tired. And then it got to where my muscles hurt so bad I could barely move. And I thought, what is wrong with me? I was fine this morning. Now I can't move. I just thought maybe I'd overdone it. But walking three miles was not that hard for me. I had done this several times before and then would go and work a full day. By that Monday, I felt like I had a low-grade fever. I thought, great, now I'm getting sick. I had a fever of 100 degrees. And I usually took a dose of, uh, we have what's called NyQuil, which is an over-the-counter medicine. And usually I'd take a dose at night and it helped me sleep and my fever would go down. Well, it wasn't working this time. I went to the doctor and she told me, don't go back to the work until you've been without a fever for at least 24 hours. It took three days for my fever to break and then I still didn't feel the greatest. I went back to work, but something still didn't feel right. I started getting a dull pain in my back when I would breathe. I got to the point that I couldn't take a deep breath. Then it started getting to the point that it was a sharp pain. And then, mid-October of 2017, I had an appointment at the hospital for some tests. You see, I'd had several trips to the emergency room, and they had found something during one of their scans they wanted to check. But after they took the test, I was back in the emergency room again. And the pain I was having was so bad, I was gripping the rails on my bed. As I mentioned, by this time I'd had six ER visits between August and October. And this time, I was just finally admitted to the hospital. I was actually happy. Like, great, let's figure this out and what's going on. Give me a pill so I can just keep, you know, be on my merry way. For the next few days, there were lots of pain meds. One day, one of my friends came for a visit. And while she was there, I had one of these flare-ups uh, with the pain. And the nurse, they were just about at the point where they could give me more, like through my, um, you know, your IV Thing that they put in you because it had to be every so many hours but it was getting so bad that it, my friend was like do you want me to hold your hand I said yes so I held her hand but I was squeezing it so hard I was afraid I was hurting her but then I just started crying and I asked looked at her and said please make it stop just please make the pain stop the nurse then was able to give me my pain meds and as I sat in my hospital bed I was scared I was like, what is this? I've never had something like this before. 
This was the first time in my life I'd ever been admitted to the hospital. I'm in my 40s. And I didn't eat anything hardly for that week. Actually, I had had no appetite pretty much that year. And I was nauseous all the time. The only thing I could keep down was from Burger King. They were selling these Coca-Cola Ices, which is nothing but crushed ice pretty much and Coca-Cola, you know, the soda. But that was the only thing that I could drink or eat and not get sick from. Then five days after I was admitted to the hospital, my doctor walks in and, and tells me, well, we've looked over all your tests and, and you have lupus. Then he proceeds to ask me, have you had achy joint muscles, achy muscles? I'm like, yes. Joint pain? Oh, yeah. Low grade fevers? Oh, yeah. When I was admitted to the hospital, I didn't think to tell him about that because I was in so much pain. I was only thinking, get this to stop. The medical staff was trying to get me to not be in pain, which is their job to assess where you're at at that moment. After my doctor left the room, of course, I grabbed Google and looked up lupus and read pretty much the information that popped up. You know, it was all pretty much the same thing about symptoms and um, what, what you could experience. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the fatigue too, extreme fatigue. Um, I was still really tired. But it was time for me to be discharged. So within two hours, I found out, here's what you have. You have a disease that really doesn't go away. Now we're going to send you home and here's all your medicines you got to take. So began the time to get ready to be discharged from the hospital. And the nurse came in to help me get my clothes on and, and get my shoes on. But there was a problem. My legs and feet had swelled up so much that my shoes didn't fit anymore. <laughs> when she went to put my shoes on... She had to almost take the strings out just to get them on. And oh, it was so painful. I got in the wheelchair uh, for them to take me to the person that was going to take me home. And the nurses were cheering for me. But as I was leaving, I felt horrible still. I could still barely breathe. and But I, I wasn't in pain anymore. But it was more like a dull ache in my muscles. I was fortunate. I, even though I've had symptoms on and off for several years, I was fortunate that the doctor diagnosed me, I guess you could say about a year is where my symptoms were really bad. I've heard stories of people that said it took years before anyone figured out what it could have been stringing everything together that had happened to them. I was also fortunate to have a very good support system. My friends and family were very worried about me. I will never forget the look on one of my coworkers' face when he saw me during one of my I, I will call it my episodes when I was at work. I was in such bad shape. My body was literally literally shaking. I tried to take a drink of water, but my hands were shaking so bad I could barely get it to my mouth. And then I looked up and saw his face. When I saw how scared he looked, I knew this was not good. But my friends came to visit me in the hospital. I had many texts and lots of flowers. And I tried to answer all the texts that I received, but I was so exhausted. Most of them were just one word answers. And I had one friend that I would just text the whole thing to and she would let people know. At that time, I chose not to post anything on Facebook or any social media. And to be honest, that was the last thing on my mind was posting anything to social media. Well, my doctor didn't give me the answer I was looking for, but at least I had an answer. So as I was riding home from the hospital, I was wondering, now what? I've had a chance to connect with others that have lupus. 
and have read stories of, of those with it. And it seems many of us share a common theme or common thread with our stories. We've either had symptoms for several years, and then a huge flare-up comes that led to our diagnosis. We've had a bunch of medication we have to take just to function each day. Fatigue seems to be our friend and our biggest challenge many of us seem to live with. And getting others to understand what we go through, even when we don't look sick. I even joke with uh, my friends that my goal each day, you know, is I'm starting to have more good days than bad days. But my goal, especially on my bad days, is I want to look good. I want people to be like, girl, you just look so good. And most of the time I accomplish that. Even though I may not be feeling the greatest, at least I can look good. And that leads to why I started this podcast. Maybe you are listening and you're laying in the hospital bed right now and you just got your diagnosis. Maybe you've been dealing with this for several years and feel like you can't do this anymore. You're done. Know that you can keep going. You have to focus on right now and what you need to do to get better. Now I have a Facebook page, if you would like to follow, that I've just started just for this podcast that it's items that pertain to lupus and encouragement for that. If you search for the Lupus Living Podcast, it should come up on Facebook. But I would also like to hear your story I like to hear stories of others that are that have lupus and that they're making it or even when you have a bad day. How were you diagnosed with lupus or any autoimmune condition? I've I know friends that have fibromyalgia or other autoimmune uh conditions that make them have pretty much some of the same symptoms I have, but theirs might be worse than mine is. Uh if you would like to tell me your story or just share, you know, you know even if you know somebody with lupus you can contact me through Facebook or email me. And that email address is gwen at thegwenalexander.com. That's G-W-N at T-H-E G-W-N Alexander.com. And I have a website also if you'd like to leave a note. And the website is thegwenalexander.com. And actually on my website, there's a button for the Lupus Living podcast if you'd like to check that out. I also have another podcast I do, but that one's another topic. So um, I wanted to do the lupus one just to go over the things that, like I said, the challenges that I just seem to deal with with lupus and I see others that are dealing with. As I mentioned in the last episode, I love motivational quotes and I have lots of them. And here's the one that I would like to leave with you for today. It's one you've maybe heard, but I've kind of added to it a little bit. And it says, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Don't be afraid of taking that hard first step. Eventually, you'll be able to help others take their first step. The information on the Lupus Living Podcast is for informational purposes only. You should consult with your doctor or medical professional before making any changes in your health and wellness routine.